unity in the church. Uh, and of course, every church has little, uh, little challenges and little tensions and, <clears throat> and all of that. But what we're seeing in the United States is just a massive, massive divide around, uh, around uh, really what, is, uh, what I would consider, although obviously politic- politics is important, it's kind of a, it's a temporal issue, isn't it? That situation will change in four years, but the kingdom of God is forever, right? The kingdom of God is forever. So for there to be lasting division in the church over a, a temporal uh, issue like that is, is, uh, is challenging, and, and it just isn't, isn't a worthy focus of the time and attention and the hearts of the people of the kingdom of God, that there's something that we're to be centered on, there's something that we're to be focused on, uh, the person of Jesus and, and our encounter with him. And so I just thought I'd really like to just talk a little bit today about what it is for us, even even us as a church at OVV, that unites us, that brings us together. And you know what, there's often questions that are sort of asked in the community, you know, what what is our fish focus? What is our mission? What are we what are we gathered around? What do we really uh, believe in? What, what centers us as a people? Why do we do what we do? And we have some of that stuff like very, very clearly thought out as a community. Uh, if you'll look on our website, you'll see a theological statement, which I'm sure all of you have read and meditated on every word of our statement of faith and just, just rested in that and just deeply connect. You guys, how many of you, okay, honest, how many of you have never read our statement of faith? Let's be fully honest, right? Okay, so there we go. So we know where we connect with that one. Uh, the other one is our core values document, and we're not going to go through that in depth at all, but there are some things about our church and our community that, that were intentional when we, when we built this church in terms of who we wanted to be and, and how we wanted to live together, and it's worth us just remembering those things, and, and I, would, I would encourage you to go uh, to that on our church website and, and look at it, because uh, if, if you're having a problem being motivated to be uh, committed and to being connected, it, it might partly be my fault and, and our fault as a community for not connecting you with what it is that we're, we're really about, what makes us unique as a community. How do we uniquely center ourselves on, on what Jesus is calling us to as a family? Uh, the first thing in our, uh, in our uh, core values document is, is we believe in intimate worship. We believe uh, in, in uh, this ability to connect with Jesus heart to heart and face to face and when we say that we're not just talking about um, words we're not talking about an intellectual connection we're talking about a connection of the heart with Jesus an actual encounter with the person of God and we believe that's transformative and if we're not seeing that in our community if we're not seeing that in in the way we uh, we connect with Jesus on Sunday mornings and in our personal lives that that we're missing what is a something of core importance for us if singing songs is just singing songs about God and not singing songs to God then there's obviously something missing there uh, we believe in keeping it simple you won't hear a lot of sermons about the apocalypse and about uh, how the events in current history and space and time or connected with the books of Revelation and you won't hear us talking about a lot of the major topics that churches get really engaged with that are off-center. We're going to talk about our relationship with Jesus because that's what it's all about. We're going to look at the plain and simple 
truths of the scripture and engage with them and let them transform us. We believe in authentic relationships. We believe in uh, having relationships with one another that are open and honest and real and not fake and phony. Hey, how are you, brother? While inside we're like, stab, 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 stab. <laughs> right in our hearts and that's not that's not always easy because there are tensions and divisions and diversity and differences among us and there are times when we need to work through things and there are times when that takes way too long uh, for us to process that relational stuff so that we can be open and honest with one another but we really just believe in being real that's why we say at the beginning of every service welcome to OVV where we're all people with messes of lives uh, we, we, we just want to not come into this experience together under any illusion that we've, we've got it all together and that we're, we're, we're perfect. We want to tell everybody, hey, uh, there's, there's messes here. That's the authenticity is, hey, we just got to deal with and wrestle with all of that stuff. Uh, we believe in an inclusive community. We believe that everyone belongs. Uh, in that picture that we had uh, last week of, of, a, of a group of people that has a porous border where people come in and out, you don't have to be a believer to be here. You don't have to have your life together to be here. Um, we, we want you to, and we will always try to lead that way, and we will always try to draw and focus and, and, and group our attention around Jesus, but there's space for you if you're asking those questions uh, to be part of our community. And, and we, I mean, the dream is that we would be a much more diverse community that we are. We would be a much more international community that we are as Carlton Place, as our region changes. Uh, we want to be a, a, a diverse community. Uh, we don't want to be a bounded set, a set with that firm border. We want to be a set that's centered around the person of Jesus. You have a sense of belonging if you're tracking towards him. We believe that everybody gets to play. We, we believe that this is a space where if you are not um, having it all together, if you are not uh, perfect in your ministry, if you are not perfectly trained, you still get to play. You get to come to house church and speak at home church and, and connect. It's, a, it's again, a, a place where we believe that even the weakest among us and the newest among us and the most inexperienced among us get to move in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses broken people to do that. I remember stories out of the 70s of the Jesus movements of people coming to faith as drug dealers, not having any of it figured out, so they just all of a sudden are starting to pack tracks in the drugs they're dealing. Like, like I mean, that's, I got a ministry, I got to tell people about Jesus, here, have some weed and, and the gospel message. You know, like, like we're, we're, I mean, obviously we were wanting to track people towards health, but no matter where you're at in your journey, you can serve and, and love and connect. We believe in the naturally supernatural. We believe that uh, the gifts and move of the Holy Spirit, healing, miracles, the prophetic, all of that stuff still happens today, but we're not going to be hyped up about it and, 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 and adopt a weird culture about it. It's going to be a natural part of who we are. It's going to flow in and out. As somebody was at the back of the church and just in the same voice I normally do, I prayed for healing for them. I didn't put on my prophetic healing prayer voice and uh, say the word Lord as a period after every sentence or, you know, whatever it is that, that is those weird cultural things that Christians do. Uh, we believe in just being natural about it. Can we pray for you? Can I pray for you on the street? Can I pray for you in my workplace? Can I pray for you? Whatever. That's, that's what we believe in. We believe in generosity. We believe in giving. Uh, we believe in, in funding and supporting the ministries that God's giving us to do. I could spend a fair bit of time camping out on this one. Big sermon on giving. 
but we'll pause and not do that right now. But, uh, but, but there is a need for us to do that and for us to understand how God interacts with us in terms of our relationships with him and money. Jesus is after it all the time in the Gospels, talking about money, because he knows it's something that's connected to our hearts. And if he wants to pull our heartstrings, he can pull our pocketbook and he gets it every time. Right? He knows he can do that. So, so giving is an important part of the picture. One in there for kicks and giggles is fun. We believe that this should be fun and this should be full of joy. That this Christian life, if we're taking ourselves too seriously all the time, then, then uh, there's just disaster awaiting us. That we've got to allow God to play with us and we've got to play with him. We've got to play with one another. And, and I'm the worst culprit in this and being too busy to just spend time relationally playing with, with you guys. But, but Jesus wants to just have fun in the journey and we see that even in his humor in the Gospels. That's, that's who he is. And so our belief is that as we sort of do all of those things, as we live that way, as this, this broad, open, inclusive, welcoming community that's centered around Jesus, that all of the transformation in our lives, all of the work of holiness that God does, all the work of transformation, all of the going forth of the gospel and all of the mission sort of flows out of that. It flows out of that, and we arrive back at, at this. This incredible community that we want to be where uh, we're not a, a set that's got a firm boundary around us, but where there are disciples centered around Jesus and the lost centered around Jesus and that uh, we're flowing back and forth in this tension between uh, being worshipers and being people on mission. And it's that that I want to talk about this morning is that that flow in and out of community or rather in and out of that focus on the, the corporate worship gathering and that focus on on mission and how does that work for us because there's an enormous amount of tension around that question for us here in North America uh, it's where it's one of the fault lines it's one of the dividing lines in the church uh, there's there's a good number of people that are that are actually fed up with the corporate worship experience that, that struggle with a sense of what does this mean why do we do this why do we gather why do we sing these songs true worship is is out there is is out there doing mission true worship is feeding the poor and caring uh, for them and there would be lots of people that would say um, well we're, we're just so focused on worship and focused on Jesus that they don't have any sense of mission that are informing that worship life this incredible worship life with Jesus but they're cloistered in a small place where they're not connected uh, with the world they're not serving people and not aware so heavenly minded they're no earthly good right and, and we don't want to be that either there's there's a tension between those two and there's clearly a tension between those two in the scriptures the biblical writers wrestle with this and God in his prophetic messages to his people wrestles with this uh, what, what is real? I, I, we're going to turn to Isaiah 58, verses uh, 7 to 12. And I'm, I don't have them up on the screen. I'm just going to read them. And then I'm going to read the solution to you. That one I'll put up on the screen. But let me just read this uh, from Isaiah 58, chapter 7. And this is God's discontent with our worship experience. And, and we know that's all over the scriptures. I hate your festivals and your new moon feasts. I hate your gatherings. I want nothing to do with the sound of your hymns and all of this. God's like wrestling with, 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 this, with his people. And so here's the wrestling. But then we'll see how he answers it. So this is Isaiah 58 uh, talking to the people of Israel. Is it not, sorry, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide shelter 
and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. Sorry, I'm going to go back to verse 6. Is, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Is, this not the, is not this the kind of worship I have chosen? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide shelter for the poor wanderer when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth with the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of the oppression, of oppression, and with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your noonday light will and your night will become like the noonday. Right? So he's saying, uh, if you want to worship, you worship in service of the poor. You worship in service of the oppressed. Uh, you, you look to live and do lives of justice. Absolutely biblical. But what we don't see in the scriptures is uh, the, the, the leaders of the church, uh, the leaders and the prophets, we don't see them say, stop worshiping God. We don't see them to say to stop that. Listen to what Isaiah says in in verse. That's um, what we're going to put on the screen. Isaiah fifty eight thirteen. So the same chapter, he goes on and says this: If you keep your feet, and this is how he ends that chapter, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight. And the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's look at this again. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, from doing whatever you want, and if you call the Lord or the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. So we're called to both. We're called to both. We're called to devotion. We're called to community worship. We're called to being together. We're called to this idea of Sabbath, which we just sort of think it means rest. But what Sabbath was for the people of God in that time and place was, was a period of time that was set aside for the Lord. Sabbath wasn't just rest. It built into Sabbath was worship. Built into Sabbath was a Friday evening of celebrating with your family and with your community and connecting and, and worshiping together and with uh, connection to the temple, with, with going and being part of the broader community of God. And somehow that is supposed to help us fix the problem of our disconnect with mission. So, so how does that work? The answer to uh, God's and our disillusionment with worship is not to discredit or devalue the Sunday service. 
On contrary, it is because we have failed to do the work of understanding intimacy and practicing worship well that this disillusionment has crept in. That's from a wonderful book called The Hour That Changes the World by a man named John Vanderlaar. There's something about this encounter in worship that we're not doing well. There's something about how we worship, how we do this as a community, and we have some things to learn. I feel quite convicted about this, about how we do church even, uh, that, that are supposed to uh, cause our lives to be transformed, cause our lives to be informed by this experience, uh, to cause our lives to be changed by this experience so that the mission is something that flows naturally out of us. Uh, Richard Foster says this, he says, corporate worship must be seen as an intimate encounter, and, and I love this language, an intimate encounter that sets us before God so he can transform us and lead us into a way of living that embodies God's values. Worship is meant to be something that sets us before God so he can transform us and lead us into a way of living that embodies God's values. And that's very, very countercultural to our sort of consumeristic approach to worship. And this is me now. We can't come to worship with a highly defined sense of self and ask, did this meet my need? By definition, that is not worship. That's not worship. I come to this community, I, I've got these issues, I've got these problems, I've got these fears. I need to come in the presence of God so that he can, he can meet my need. To come into worship without the idea that yourself would be transformed by God, to come to the idea of worship and encounter with a holy God and have the idea that he's there to work himself around you, to strengthen yourself, to make yourself better, to make yourself happier, to make yourself what it is without changing or transforming yourself, that's actually self-worship. That's drawing everything to self, right? The act of encountering and ascribing worth to someone greater than ourselves opens us up to being transformed by that encounter. We have to come into the presence of God and in the presence of worship uh, with the expectation that the intimacy we seek with God will change us will transform us, will make us into new people, will make us into different people. And, and if we don't have that, then it's actually not worship at all, is it? It's just not worship. It, 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 it's not transformation, it's not relationship. I remember the first time I actually worshipped God. I actually had a worship encounter with Jesus. I, I, and, and this was when I was about 16 years old when I actually had an intimate encounter with Jesus in worship. Which means that I had been in church for my whole life. And I did the math on this, 536 Sundays of being in church and not having an intimate encounter with Jesus. How many Sundays have you been to church without having an intimate transformative encounter with Jesus? 
And I remember what that was like. I remember for the first time experiencing that sense of losing myself in worship. And that's literally what it is. It's losing ourselves. It's losing our self-awareness. It's losing our self-importance. It's losing our self-focus. And all of a sudden, uh, going to a place of being really and authentically focused on the God who is holy, the God who is bigger, the God who is mightier, and the God who is longing to meet with me and transform me and make me a new person. And I remember how, how radical that was. I remember weeping and weeping and weeping because all of the stuff that I'd been doing for years and years and years up to that moment had, had missed this incredible experience of the feeling and sensing and connecting with the presence of God. Now, we did this last Thursday at night. We gathered with the worship community at OVV, and we just set aside time as worshipers to just be in God's presence and worship without agenda, without a plan, without uh, a meeting, without uh, any sort of structural engagement other than to simply be in the presence of God. How many of you were there? Was, was that wonderful? Was that incredible? It was incredible. God came and he spoke to us and he gave us new songs. Uh, he met with us and, and we stepped outside of ourselves a moment to, to worship the creator, to worship the king of kings. So how does that encounter work for us? How does it not become something that just does become insular, uh, that makes it just something that's for me, that we consume, that just blesses us? How does that connection then with that intimate transformative encounter with Jesus actually work and transform the way we live beyond these walls? How does that happen? How, when, when done well, how does an intimate encounter with God and community uh, found in worship and Sabbath transform us and commission us for mission. How, do, how does that actually work? Well, the first thing it does is it is changes our understanding of our context. Uh, worshiping a God who is holy in the context and in the presence of a community of human beings alters the way we see the world. And I don't just mean worldview. I don't just mean uh, an intellectual understanding of what the world is. It, it, it alters the way we, we perceive everything around us when we've had an encounter with Jesus that's intimate and, and connected in the context of community. When we gather for Sunday morning worship, what it's supposed to do is help us see all the rest of the world rightly. Uh, we, we live as people who are, are so disconnected and alone. We're so disconnected and, and alone. When, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to uh, whatever your context outside this place is, uh, we really feel like we're, uh, we're apart. We find ourselves with a perspective that is essentially godless. That that, that place we're working is a place where God isn't. That that place where we're serving is a place where, where he is not. And, and that, that people we can trust uh, that are believers, they're, they're not there either. Uh, we're alone. It, it affects our, our ability to understand that God is, is absolutely everywhere. Building this space on Sunday morning for us to uh, connect with the presence of God uh, reminds us that that presence goes with us. 
that that presence of God goes with us. We have this powerful, powerful gift that God has given us called memory. And, and, and if you're like me, isn't it short? Isn't it really short? I mean, this is, this is just, I'm begging you. This is a plea uh, for regular worship gathering. Because if we aren't together regularly, if church for us is one a month or, or twice a month or, or maybe one in six months, uh, we forget in the week to week that we have connected with the living God, the almighty creator of the universe, and we are disconnected from him. And secondly, we're disconnected from one another. We're disconnected from the kingdom. We're disconnected from this sense that, uh, that there is uh, uh, his pervading presence out there uh, also in the other people who are out there and the other believers we encounter that are as scared and feeling as alone as we are. That they've worshipped some Sunday somewhere too and we need to find them and connect with them and find this connection with them. So it changes us from being disconnected and alone to being connected and surrounded. This sense of gathering weekly, the sense of Sabbath, the sense of rest, the sense of worship together, the sense of community together, uh, leaves us feeling connected and surrounded, and by the gift and power of memory, we remember that that goes out into the world with us when we go. The second thing it does is it, it our understanding of, of the space that we're in. So when I say context, it, 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 I'm talking about uh, that we, we understand that God is in our context. We understand that he's in the context of our work. We understand that he's in the context of our school. But, but by creating a space like this, I mean, this is a school, right? This is a school. We, we've had to work mighty works Every week, Julian got here at 8.30 this morning and did a mighty work to create a space where you could come here and worship together. And, and we know what that was like uh, a few weeks ago at Halloween. We came into this space, and there were, there was, I think Richard put one right on my stool. Like I was leading worship, and Richard took this plastic rat from the Halloween decorations and put it right up on my stool. I, I, and so that it would be like staring at you and glaring at you as I was leading worship, and I made him take it down. Uh, but there were pumpkins and spider webs and spiders and, 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 and really every celebration of a pagan environment. And if you look around these walls, uh, we're, we're clearly in a pagan environment. But what we've done is we've created a space for the presence of a holy God to come here and meet with us. And we forged that by our work. We forged that by our effort. We forged that by our decision to be here. And worshiping together as a community reminds us that out in the world, out in the workplace, out wherever we go, where we're on mission with Jesus, we can by a choice and by an act of our will and by the effort of our hands and the sweat of our brows, we can create a space where the presence of God can dwell and invite and invoke his presence in that space. We can't do the mission outside the presence of God. And we can't create the presence of God out there if we're not connected with the presence of God here where it's easy. We need this gathering, we need this time and this space so that we know that we can create this space everywhere we go. And that second issue is, is an issue of time. Uh, this, this experience of worship that we have together as a community is, 
is a reflection that we don't just live in linear time. This, this moment of worship where, where, where we're connected with Jesus and we're looking at him and we're loving him and we're worshiping with him and worshiping together is a connection with eternity. It's a connection with forever. And what that connection with forever does is it lets us live in the world where we're working, in the place where we're on mission, again, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever it is, within a sense, uh, with a sense that what happens here matters, but what happens here has an impact on eternity. It connects us with uh, a, an ongoing sense of God's mission to transform the world and with a sense that uh, we have ultimately freedom in relationship with him when he comes to recreate the world and have us dwell with him in his kingdom in the end. It connects us with the end of the story. And you can't work towards the end of the story if you don't remember it when you're out there. And, and thirdly, or fourthly rather, it, it, it tra- transforms the way we see people. You guys are our family. You're a church family. You, you didn't really get to choose one another. And the Bible says you have to love one another. It doesn't say you have to like one another. But it says you have to love one another. What being together and worshiping uh, in a group, in a context, in a, in a, in a space like this together does, and we're going to go back to this passage in John that we looked at earlier, is it forces us to be people who, who recognize that each of these souls in these chairs beside you have place and presence with Almighty God just the same way that you did. Therefore, they must be valued as you are. They must be valued as you are. That they are worthy to be in that presence as you are. And it's in that shared sense of invitation into the presence of God that we are made one. And how does that affect us in that world when we're out there? How does that affect us in our schools? How does that affect us in the marketplace? How does that affect us in the workplace? is that invitation that we have heard to gather together on Sunday morning to worship is an invitation that is extended to every one of your co-workers and schoolmates. That just as you are worthy and called to be in the presence of God, his voice is calling them. And we're to simply echo his voice. We have to see those people not as pagans in the darkness, we have to see them as potential worshipers of the living God. People who belong in these chairs beside you. People who are missing this transformative intimacy that we're called to. It helps us see people not as, as, as people we can brush off, not as people we can ignore, not as people who are against us, not as people who have invaded our space, but as people were to be embraced and to be called into the family of God. John uh, chapter 17 says this, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me and I am in you. And may they be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. 
this being one together in this place is what makes it possible for people to see that Jesus has been sent to the world. And if we're not together in this place, and if we're not one, people cannot see that. They cannot see that Jesus has been sent to them, that Jesus has been sent to them through you to call them into the family of God. And that's how worship and mission work together. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a mission and be disconnected from the family of God. I've, I've heard people say so many times, oh, oh, the workplace, that's my church. That's just where I connect with God, but I don't see the fruit of evangelism in their lives. And I've heard people say, I, I'm, I'm at church. This is my space to worship. This is where I want to worship God, but let's just keep religion at home, and I'm just going to be myself out in the workplace. And I don't see the fruit of evangelism and the fruit of kingdom building in the lives of those either the only people who are really building the kingdom of God in their lives who are advancing the kingdom of God in their lives are the people who hold a worshiping community together with mission and see that they're mutually informing and, and, and completely important to one another they have to both happen together let's stand up Thank you, Father, that we've encountered you this morning. Thank you for James and the team leading worship. Thank you so much for that team. Thank you so much for Julian and Richard uh, putting together this sound system and the OVV Grow uh, people who are creating an environment for the children to encounter you this morning. We pray that we would have this transformative encounter. Not just this week, but every week. That, that our commitment to this, this commitment to being together, this commitment to growing together, uh, will, will grow. And that out of it will come our lives radically filled with mission and justice. And care and love for the poor. Would you teach us, Jesus what it is to live not just uh, with, with a consumeristic uh, filling of ourselves with you or a connecting of ourselves with you, but uh, an intimate connection with you that transforms us. I pray for, for anyone here who, who is like me, who's, who's come to church a thousand times and not had intimate connection with the creator of the universe, I pray that there would be an openness to intimacy. It goes beyond intellect and goes to the heart. That we would risk opening ourselves up to, to, to not just learning about you, and we are transformed by that, Father, but to being literally and transformed by encountering you who are so much bigger than us. Would you reunite, unite us around this encounter with Jesus and send us out? Would you show us as a community how to do this and do this better? To both come with expectation of encounter and to learn how as a church to just better facilitate that encounter.
Would you show us everything we need to know to be able to do that? Would you uh, break our preconceived notions about what that means? And now we just ask that just in this moment, just this next 10 to 15 to 20 seconds, would you just come and encounter your people? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, change the way we see our context. Change uh, the way we create space for you around us. Change the way we live in time, Father, and change the way we see people. And through all that, would you change the world through us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 God bless you.